Hello, everybody, and welcome. It is the babies, the gots, and the backs. Logs. I think that's it. Oh, there's logs too. There's don't forget the logs. You can't don't... leave out Lincoln logs. Link. Wow. How often in this show have you said a thing or I've said a thing that has completely unlocked a memory? And when you said Lincoln logs, like t I totally forgot what those even were as a concept. Yeah. You know, it just popped in there. I wasn't thinking about Lincoln logs today. Nothing. This might be our earliest and weirdest derailment ever. But did you know I've I've seen it? <laughs> Where have I seen it? I feel like I've seen clips on Reddit or something of, uh, like, they make houses with, like, full-scale giant Lincoln Logs. Are you aware of this? No. Welcome to Lincoln Logs, the podcast. I'm Trevor. I'm, I'm Andy. And we always set out to talk about video games. And we always end up and talking always about, about something else. Yeah, like something totally weird and offbeat that we didn't expect to talk about. Like Lincoln Logs. Yeah. You know why, Trevor? Tell me why. Because Sunday's for picking stones. Sunday's for picking stones. You're picking <laughs> stones with your pals the other day. Picking stones with your pals. I've been thinking about that all day because I feel like we never record on Sundays. And so all day in my head, it's just been like, Sunday's for picking podcasts with your buds. You're recording your podcast with your pals the other day. Yeah. Um. So, yes. Yeah, so it's the show where we we play games on our backlog and then we bring we bring the games to the show preferably games that we are enjoying or have something interesting to say about and then we have conversation about them in a very natural and not <laughs> forced way in a very human and conversational way <laughs> oh how we used to laugh <laughs> we are human podcast recorders who say human things Welcome to live pre-recorded internet. Li <laughs> it's not live though. Wait. Yes, it is. It's live pre-recorded. Right. Exactly. Or is it pre-recorded live internet? It's pre. It's Trevor. We're talking about games today. What are you talking about? Me. Me personally. Yeah. Game I uh, game wise. So I today I'm going to be talking about. Uh, like a, a touch more on Octopath Traveler 2 because I'm getting towards the end of it. Okay. Um, but the really the main game I'm bringing to the show is Near Automata. Yeah, you know, uh, I I kind of had a spoiler alert because I was playing my Switch earlier and I saw that you were online playing that. So I had a feeling you were going to talk about one of them because that's all you've been playing lately. Yeah, well... The thing about Octopath Traveler 2 is, like, I just love it, but I don't... I, I was like, I don't want to do another entire segment on it. But what's a game that I've played in recent memory that would be worth uh, bringing to the show? And um, Nier Automata, without a doubt, is, like, the game in recent memory that I was like, oh, right, I played that... I don't know if I played it in between seasons or at the end of last season and just like didn't bring it because we had a different format, but I was like, it needs to be brought to the show. So he's bringing it. Yeah. What are you talking about today, Trevor? I am talking about, uh, so this is uh, a part of a new segment that we talked about a couple episodes ago where I explore the Legend of Zelda franchise. Roll the so... Legend of Zelda theme song that we have. Ro cue it. Cue it up. Do -do 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 -do. Trevor, he's playing Zelda. <laughs> 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 
Oh my gosh. You're right. We got derailed early today. <laughs> Trevor's just playing Zelda. <laughs> Trevor's playing Zelda. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't say which Zelda game, so I'm playing The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening for the Switch. He's playing games. <laughs> Which was a, a ground-up remake of the 1993 title, Link's Awakening. Is that when it came out? I believe that's correct. Let's look it up. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is, this is a cool game to talk about the history of. Do you, know, do you know anything about the history of this game? No. Tell me. Should, should we just dive right into it? Yeah, let's talk about it. So you were correct. It did come out in 1993. So um, the thing about this game was, so this was like in the really early Game Boy games, like not Game Boy Color, but like the green Game Boy, like the mega, mega old Game Boy games. Mm -hmm. And it started with, so like uh, the Zelda games are all um, directed by Shigeru Miyamoto, who, you know, pretty famously does all of the Mario, all of the Zelda games. But one of the, like, lower level... I, I don't know if he was lower level, but, like, he was not Shigeru Miyamoto. Basically started, like, a... He got, like, a Game Boy dev kit. And I believe they were tasked with remaking Link to the Past for the Game Boy. That was, like, their job. But... Sort of like after hours on the sly, him and a group of developers, um, sort of just like as a joke project, like they didn't even really mean for it to be a game. We're like, what if we just made like a, a Zelda game with the Game Boy hardware, just like for fun, for total jokes and giggles? Um, and so like they kind of just did that, and eventually it got to the point where they were like, I think we have a full game so we're gonna pitch it to the higher ups at nintendo but like that like was kind of a risky thing to do because nintendo's a very traditional company so for them to come out and be like we made a zelda game like without anyone's permission like was kind of like not not super cool um but they were like yeah we we super love it like that's awesome um and so they green lighted the project and then they finished it but that's why this game has like goombas and like chain chomps and kirby in it because kirby's in this game yes <laughs> way later you'll see uh, a version of kirby and like those were put in because they were just kind of like making like a joke project that turned into like a full game that is wild. See, I thought it was just like an early Nintendo thing because, as you know, like Mario was originally Jumping Man in a Donkey Kong game. Right. And so I guess I just like going into this game and seeing Mario villains, I guess I just assumed like, oh, that's, you know, that's a Nintendo thing. Like they just used old Mario villains. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of it's the reason that this game is an outlier from so many of the other Zelda games. Like, this is I think the only Zelda game to not have the main antagonist be Ganon. Like, that's why you're on an island somewhere else, and everything is completely different from every other game, because they were like, <clears throat> "What if we did like a Zelda game in a completely different way?" That's wild. Yeah. So, um, it's actually. When you said 1993, that actually blows my mind because 
I just like I because I was like, two years old when it came out. Well, yeah, that and it's it's just so good. Like this game, even the original original version is so good and so smart and so well designed in so many ways that like it has no right to be that old. I can't believe it's it was like the year that you were two and the year that I was born. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, God, and boy. so I played this game when I was. God, this is crazy. Like, I remember... So they did, like, a remake. Of course, at the time, it was a remake. They put it on Game Boy Color as Link's Awakening DX, um, which was in color, but it also had, like, an entire extra dungeon and, like, extra features that were added to it. Huh. Um, And I remember playing that game in, like, literally second grade at recess with my friends, like, on our Game Boys, and, like, talking about, like... I remember like specific moments in this game, which I won't spoil yet, of being like, oh, I never would have figured that out if there wasn't a group of like four of us just discussing like a book club what we were finding in the world. <laughs> yeah, I remember doing that with like Pokemon games and stuff too. Yeah, so um, I, I just, I I have such a, a positive relationship with this game. And uh, to sort of like round that out, I really, back when I was, this this might be a shock to you, but back when I was like in college, you remember how like I didn't like kind of didn't really play video games for those four years. Yeah, mostly out of necessity of having no life and being too busy. <laughs> those so, were um, the times. Yeah. So when I we used and to laugh, we used to laugh together. Uh, <laughs> and you know this this may spark something for you because you currently have my original 3ds. When I was student teaching, I decided to download the digital version of Link's Awakening DX, the Game Boy version, onto my 3DS. And I would come home from student teaching and I would I would play through this game again. And I was like, wow, A, I love video games as much as I remember I did many years ago. And B, this game is so much better than I remember. Like, it's still so good. <laughs> Yeah, I I'll have to play the original or like the Game Boy version cuz I'm really enjoying this one. Yeah, it's on my 3DS which you have. Like it's downloaded right to it. So noted. Yeah, but I also and you know, I have played the remake as well because I love this game. <laughs> that makes them that tracks. Yeah, so anyway, now that we've done my the history and my own personal boring history that no one cares about, Trevor, what's your history with <laughs> this game? I, I care. Uh, it's pretty short. Um, I told you I never played Zelda. I got Breath of the Wild. I fell in love with it. I wanted to play more Zelda games. I got this one. Didn't you? I th could have swore like at some point you had played this remake or seen someone play this remake at some point. Is yeah, someone, someone I knew in Colorado, they, they played it, and I had seen like very small bits and pieces of this game, but I never actually like played it myself. Yeah. Nice. Okay. So yeah. So it really is like your first complete foray into the game. Yeah. Um, you know, what's funny is I was actually playing a, a different Zelda game that I'll talk about at a later date. Um, and I was like, cause it's, it's a 3d Zelda game that I was playing. I won't say which one, but I'm playing it, and I'm like, you know, it's really weird to go from Breath of the Wild, the epitome of 3D Zelda games, backwards. 
So I think what I'm going to do is tackle some of the 2D Zelda games first, and then, and only then, will I start delving back into the 3D stuff again. Yeah, and you know, like, I feel like this is a conversation that people don't have. I mean, I, I like, feel this way about Zelda, but I feel like I don't hear it. I feel like the 2D Zelda games and the 3D Zelda games are so different that it almost is, like it's almost like a disservice to call them both Zelda games because they are so radically different. Does that make sense? They're yeah. Yes. It's like almost it's, like one of them should be the legend of Zelda and the other should be like the adventures of link, the series. Yes. Like they, they actually, and like, yeah, it's just, they're so different. So you're kind of touching on that exact thing of like, I'm playing a 3D Zelda and like, maybe I'll try something completely different. And it is completely different, right? It's, it's so different. It's so different. It's really weird. Yeah. So Trevor, tell us about just what, what's the synopsis of Link's Awakening? What goes down and what circumstance does Link find himself in? So uh, it starts with this really cool animated cutscene that's like this really beautiful 2d um animation mm-hmm. of link basically getting ship shipwrecked on an isle isle island i guess they're the same thing i guess so. um and basically someone takes him into their house and they're like hey you washed up on an island and we saved you also can you help our island because we're going through it and that's <laughs> and then through your adventures and an owl is like who do you think you are you are gonna wake up the wind fish but you which is neither wind wind fish no, i think no, that's it's, what he calls it no the owl's cool with you he's not the owl's not telling you not to do it he's like guiding you yeah oh that's what i said well you were like who who do you think you are well, i was trying to make an owl pun Oh. <laughs> Noted. Who is this cool cat? There you go. That needs to awaken the windfish. I'll be the judge of this young green fellow. <laughs> Who is going to listen to this podcast? <laughs> and we drive more and more listeners further away every episode. My my own girlfriend doesn't listen to this podcast. Jennifer yeah. texts us. Yeah. Does she or doesn't she? No. No, I don't think Stacy listens to it anymore either because we're too annoying. Uh, <laughs> but um, she also doesn't really listen to podcasts in general as much, you know? That's fair. She listened to the one she was on. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I get it. We're annoying. Yeah. yeah. Um, um. So yeah, the the owl is basically like, yeah, you got to wake up the windfish, but in order to do that, you have to collect these seven instruments scattered around this island that you're shipwrecked on. Yeah, like musical instruments, which is weird. Yeah, I I didn't realize that they were musical instruments. I I when he said instrument, I I immediately was like. Am I about to just like get the master sword? But no, uh, it's a literal. I think the first one is like a violin or something, or a cello. Yeah, yeah, something like that. 
Yeah, and that's kind of it, which, like, again, it, it's such, like, a weird thing because there is no Zelda. There's no princess to rescue. You're just on this island in the middle of nowhere, um, kind of, like, stuck and, and going through dungeons and kind of kind of like doing standard Zelda fare in a lot of ways, but it's also different. How many um, dungeons have you completed? Uh, so... So here's here's a question. I'm going to answer your question with a question. Yeah. When you say how many dungeons have I completed? There's a bunch of like small dungeons and then there's the dungeons that have like the boss battles. Yeah. To which are you referring? I guess I mean how many instruments do you have cuz those are the the canon dungeons. I have two and I'm well on my way to get the third. Yeah. Nice. Um, cool. So you've, you've seen a good, a good chunk of like what, um, the game is, is about at its core, you know? Yeah. I, I actually think in the past, I don't know, maybe, yeah, about five days. So I have about six or seven hours in, I actually have more hours in Link, Link's Awakening than the 3D Zelda I was playing because it was so hard for me to detach from Breath of the Wild. Yeah, that's that like again, it's going to be so interesting to to see what you think of Zelda in general, but like in particular the 3D Zeldas cuz again, nothing like Breath of the Like I think a lot of there are many people whose main issue with Breath of the Wild is that it may as well not be a Zelda game. Like lots of people criticize it on that alone. They're like it's not Zelda at all and it's like that's kind of true actually. <laughs> Yeah, it's a really super cool open world in which you play as Link and save Zelda, kind of. Yeah. Um. So what are you thinking of Link's Awakening, like, just, just in general at this point? So I'm glad that you told me about the reason why there are Mario villains in it, because I was, I was uber confused by it. <laughs> um, and again, just kind of chalked it up to, like, oh, well, you know, Maybe that's just a thing Nintendo did back in the day that I wasn't hip with. Um, and just as a, I guess just as like an honorable mention, I actually, um, last week when I was moving, I had a few minutes and I sat down and I opened the original Zelda game um, on Switch Online. And like, I get it. Like, I opened that and I understood I understood immediately why people in the late 80s, early 90s were so hooked on Zelda. Um, yeah. I just, like, it all clicked for me. Yeah, uh, and, and like, I think if we're talking about the original Zelda, like, um, I think for me, that's why my biggest point about Breath of the Wild is, like, that they literally returned to the formula of the first Zelda. Because even if you pull it open and play for five minutes, you're like, oh, I can literally just walk anywhere. Like, that, that is the, kind of the premise of the original Zelda game. Um, I think pretty famously, Shigeru Miyamoto said that... Um, when he envisioned the first Zelda, he wanted to make a video game that felt like when he was a kid exploring, like, the forest and, like, the little caves that were, like, near his house when he was really, really little. And it's like, oh, yeah, I think he really did that super well. Yeah, which is yeah. awesome. Yeah. 
I mean, truly the first open world game, I think, period, was the original Zelda. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least the first, like, mainstream one. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if there were any... Because that's pretty early video game history. I wonder if there were any games before Zelda that really tried to tackle that concept, you know? Yeah, I'm sure there were a couple out there. Yeah, maybe. So yeah. So anyway, what what are you liking about Link's Awakening? What's your what's your take on the vibe and everything? I I really like this art style. Um, this I I understand now why you didn't like what Pokemon did with the chibi art style. That's like you're wow. You like ripped a thought from my brain. That was like exactly <laughs> what I was gonna say. Oh my god. Yeah, like I I started playing it and almost immediately was like, you know what? I understand why Andy hates the the art style of Diamond Pearl remakes. Yeah, it, it and like again, like I'm not against chibi art styles in general. It just was like so hideous. Like comparing it to Link's Awakening, it just looks hideous, you know? Yeah, like everything in Link's Awakening is very not detailed intentional like everything looks the way it looks and it's all intentional um and like you know i it's all very dynamic like i like that the edges are un like literally look out of focus and mm -hmm. like the way I, I i don't know how to describe it but like the way everything looks like just the overall design of the world looks and feels really smooth and intentional and like this is one cohesive world that you're walking in different parts of yeah i think i think intentional is a really great word for it i think you kind of like nailed it like the art style immediately evokes like a feeling like and everything is really simple nothing looks complicated they almost look like you know what link almost looks like he kind of <laughs> This is such like a weird, I don't know why this popped into my head, but he, he almost looks like the guy from the really old Rudolph cartoon, the like little claymation one. Yes. Like everything kind of looks like that, where it almost looks like a little handcrafted toy, but like it just gives you like a feeling of like joy, but also a sense of wonder. Whereas like Diamond and Pearl is like, oh, look. 30 of the same tree copied and pasted right next to each other. You know, like it doesn't look intentional. It looks like they put a million trees in a row because right. that's what they had to do. <laughs> right. Well, diamond and pearl looks like it looks like they were like, Oh, well, we'll just take the pixel art version and we'll just smooth out the edges. That's what that is. Link's awakening is, Hey, what if we reimagined this game in the chibi art style? Yeah, right. Well, in like the original, I mean, it does look pretty faithful to the original in a sense if you took it from pixel to 3D. It's just I think you're right that like they did a lot of of extra touches to make sure like is the art style consistent? Does it make sense? Does it evoke like even down to like the little green wiggly dudes? Like you just you see them and you're like, "Oh, I love them and they're adorable and I want one." And then um, zap. <laughs> Right, right. So yeah, I uh that's a that's a good way to put it. It's it really does look lovely. And like I think 
for me to say that probably speaks volumes because when this game came out, I was like, I don't need another remake of Link's Awakening. I already love the first one. Like, get out of here. I don't need to pay $60 for it. And then I paid $60 for it. Yeah, for like, anyone who doesn't know Andy, Andy is not not anti-remakes, but he's a big, you know, he's a big Game Boy fan. And in his head, it's like, well, why would I pay $60 for a remake when I just play the original that's probably just as good? So he's right. For like what I know of Andy, for him to want to go out of his way to pay $60 for a remake of a game, like that's pretty big for him. Yeah, just like I'm I and I'm not one of those people who's like Nintendo shouldn't have remade it. I I'm not one of those. Like if Nintendo wants to remake it, like that's cool. If people want to buy it, that's cool. Just for like me personally, usually my take is I just don't need another version of it because I'm perfectly happy with the version that there was. Right. I think the I think the crux of it is that the new version it it looks so beautiful that it like evokes a different feeling in me than the original. And in that regard, I'm like, that's cool. Like I'm happy to replay either one. They kind of feel different experiences in some ways, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, the art style is beautiful. What do you think of the, uh, so you've done two dungeons. The, um, yes. So the art style is really cool. The, uh, so the puzzles are a little more puzzly than like Breath of the Wild per se or the 3D one that I've done so far. Um the first two dungeons they are? I mean, maybe a little more. I don't know. Like I definitely feel like this one takes probably the same amount of brain power as some of the divine beasts do. Mhm. Mm um which is fine. I and you actually you mentioned this to me after I had already done it. Um, I have consulted a walkthrough a couple times because I'm like I have no idea what I'm supposed to be doing right now. Um, totally fair, by the way. Yeah, and that's what you had said to me. You, without knowing, I had consulted a walkthrough. You were like, "Yeah, I wouldn't blame you if you wanted to get a walkthrough because it's kind of tricky." Um, I'm surprised you did so early. Do you remember what you looked up? It was, um, I think it was the location of the second dungeon. Mm. Um, yeah, or which... maybe it was, maybe I, I think it was actually like, I was having a hard time getting rid of the chain chomp and then read that I basically had to do the second dungeon with the chain chomp. Yeah, well, after the second dungeon, you have to. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which, it, now that you say that, I'm like, yeah, I think you're totally right that that's confusing. And, like, I probably, as a kid, was stuck on it, too. Yeah. Um, and then moving into the third dungeon, or I, I guess, I assume it's the third dungeon, uh, moving into, like, that castle area for Richard. Oh, that's not even the third dungeon. Oh, shoot. Okay. Yeah, that um, is that is important. You do have to do it. It is an um, it is like a necessary part of the main quest, but it's not the actual third dungeon. Wow. Okay. Yeah, because I I did the second dungeon and I was like, what do I do now? Um, consulted the walkthrough for that because I was like, you know, after the second dungeon, no one says anything to you, and it's like, what oh, do I do now? Where do I go? And then you look at the map and you're like. 
How do I get over there? Yeah. Quick side note. I don't know if you know, but <clears throat> the little telephone huts, you can call the uh, the old man and he'll give you hints too, which helps. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Yeah. It definitely like, it's like, I think that is sort of the, in my mind, like the strength of this game and the thing that makes it really, really unique and cool and in the same <clears throat> in the same breath they kind of they kind of like falter a bit in that main design of of the world cuz like the world is really tiny you can get from like one corner to the other in like 2 minutes it's a really tiny world but it feels big mm -hmm. which is remarkable i i don't know like how they did that you know yeah yeah, I don't know how they did that either, because you're right. Like, looking at the parts of the map I have unlocked at, at present, it feels a lot bigger than it looks. Yeah, and, like, the the thing that I personally love about this game is that um, the, the, whole, the whole tiny map is, like, its own little mini Zelda dungeon. Like, when you leave dungeon number two, you still have Bow Wow, and you're like, okay, what do I have to do now with Bow Wow? And so, like, you're kind of launched into this little, this little puzzle of like, how do I progress in the world now that I've finished the dungeon? And I think they do a great job of like it. It starts to feel like a Metroidvania at a certain point because it, mm -hmm. after Dungeon Two, <clears throat> you now have the power bracelet, which means you can pick up pots and rocks and all of these other things. So right. you leave and you're like, oh, cool. Like, where can I go in this island? And you suddenly find, like, three places that you couldn't access before. And so, like, I think that's what's brilliant about this game is the world just feels alive and it feels mysterious and it feels weird. But there are a couple moments where it's like they could have nudged you just a little better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, um... I Immediately after getting the power bracelet... I had like it was created in that moment where I was like, I'm going to go back to this dungeon because I remember a heart piece being there in this dungeon because I remember a chest being there in this dungeon because there was another heart piece. And I got a heart like that. Yeah. And that that like to me, <clears throat> that's like my favorite thing about um the 2d zelda games is they're really good. It, it's like a metroidvania, you know, like you suddenly have a bunch of abilities that give you access to all these places and it feels so good to be like oh yeah I remember all these places i can get to now and you get hard yeah it's great it's great it's awesome yeah you know as a side note now that i'm playing uh more zelda games and like understanding like can i guess conceptually like metroidvania and the concept of going back to things you couldn't do before i need to revisit metroid dread and play more i want to beat that one day oh yeah man i'd love to <clears throat> if you were going to i would just replay the whole thing and we could do like a whole little like revisit on it which would be which would be so cool i'm i might have to do that one of these days yeah i'd love to i just think it's like for me like and i think about this a lot with zelda games but like with games in general is it's just like it's interesting to get new abilities and figure out 
all the places that you could go in the world and like and like figure it out yourself. It's interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it it feels organic to be like, oh, cool. I have these abilities. What can I do now? As opposed to games are just like, well, this ability just lets you get through all of the red doors now. And you're like, well, OK, that's just me following instructions. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. But right. like the strength of Metroidvanias in this type of game is like, oh, you're like, oh, I feel stronger as a player and I like get to go use the ability in the world in the ways that I want to. It feels like organic, you know? Yeah. Well, and it gives you like once it starts happening a little more, you see other opportunities for down the road and you're like, I can't wait to get that ability Yes, like you see a heart piece and you're like, I don't even know what in the world I would do to get there. But now you're excited of like, what is possibly the thing that could get me there, you know? Right. The other one, uh, and I, I thought of a specific heart piece when you said that, because there's one that's on the other side of a dungeon with like a huge cavern. And I was like, how do I, I don't know how to get over there. Um, but I was also <laughs> thinking of... Um, there's doors like in the water and I'm like, I wonder how long until I get the ability to start swimming or, or whatever so that I can get to those, those like water ones. Yeah. What do you mean by doors in the water? Well, there's like those little doorways. Oh, you mean like, like uh... entrances into the dungeons. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Honestly, I think they just do a good job of that with like jumping. Yeah. Like you, you get the feather in the first dungeon and you're like, oh, and it opens all sorts of places for you to go. Yeah. Like, and which for a Zelda game, that's really unusual, by the way. Like, I think this might be, other than Breath of the Wild, the only other Zelda game where like jumping is integral to the design. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, it, it's just that, that type of thing is like so simple and powerful that they'd be like what if we let them start jumping early and lock all of these things behind like a small pit that you can jump over it just it feels so natural you know yeah totally i totally agree with that yeah but yeah that's that's cool man and it also too it kind of like the thing you're saying where like now you get excited as you're exploring the world that like even feeds back on itself like you were saying with metroid dread like when you play more games like this now you have a feel for like, oh, okay, I can't get there, but I will be able to get there at some point. And like understanding that design makes it even more like fun to, to go back and play other games like it. Yeah, it gives you like a hunger to progress. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's so cool. I'm glad that like you pointed that out as being like the cool thing, because, yeah, I love that about this game. Yeah, I <laughs> I don't know that I'll do another full episode on this game, but I'll I'll definitely give progress reports because I want to keep playing this. Yeah, what'd you what'd you think of the first two bosses? Um, which one was the the oh so the second one the the genie in the bottle? Yeah, I needed the walkthrough for that. Like yeah. I didn't even quite honestly, I didn't even try. I really didn't. I looked at it and I was like. I got nothing, and I <laughs> really, yeah, you you didn't even see. I that, didn't even try. That's the case of like that. That boss seems tricky until you're like, oh, I have to use the power bracelet, the thing I just got. It wasn't as tricky as I really thought, you know. Yeah, and then all of a sudden it makes sense. the The first boss was very easy. It was like, 
oh, I need to hit like the bulbous thing on the end of his tail. And that's like, you know, that was pretty obvious. But the genie, I didn't even try. You should try harder next time. But yeah, Hamburger Man, the first boss, he's Hamburger Man. (laughs) Oh my gosh, he is. They like lean. I don't know why they just leaned so hard into let let us let's make him look like a hamburger in the remake. But he a million percent does. And I love it. Yeah, he's got little sesame seeds and everything. Yeah, he's great. Um, Yeah, I love the bottle grotto guy, though. He's just so funny. The weird little genie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Bottle Grotto. That, honestly, that dungeon took me forever. Yeah. So, yeah, so you're heading towards the third. And that's another thing I like, too, is, like, so you're heading towards the third dungeon. And the the main quest thing that you have to do is you have to find, his name's Richard? Yeah. Yeah. And he's, he's just some dude in a house. And when you find him, he's like, oh, you should. I don't even know what he says. He's like, you should help me with this thing. And you're like, well, I, I guess I don't have anything else going on right now. He's basically like, oh, a bunch of monsters kicked me out of my castle. Can you go reclaim my castle for me? Yeah. And that that just like feels weird because you're doing like this weird detour for no reason. Um, And like it, it helps break up the game and make it feel more interesting than just like, here's a dungeon. Here's another dungeon. Here's another dungeon. It's like, oh, I have to go on a quest and go bust down a castle. That's pretty dope. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you do. It's very, it's actually very Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of is. It's, uh, it's like, it's have fun we- exploring this castle. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah, right. Go collect some gold leaves or whatever. You're like, okay, Richard. Yeah. <laughs> there's thanks. There's just so many like weird quirks and weird instances of things that they just threw. Like, and you'll see as you play more, you'll be like, oh, this is a totally weird thing they threw in for I have no idea what reason, but it's it's just cool and fun and weird, you know? Yeah. I need to go back to the beach too, the beach you start on. Cause I think there's like rocks and stuff that I can move now to probably get to stuff. Yeah. Th- yeah. There's, um, yeah, I think you definitely, assuming that you do finish this game, which it's, it's really pretty short. Like, um, you could probably do the rest of it in like a few days. It's not super, but assuming you do finish it, we should definitely check in and talk about the rest in like a big spoiler way. That would be awesome. Yeah. I would love to. Um, yeah, that's probably what I'll do. I'll, uh, I'll try and finish this game this week and then, uh, I'll play whatever game I'm going to do for next episode. Yeah. I mean, with the exception of Breath of the Wild, you started like where I started in my Zelda journey, which is so, that's like so touching to me. It's so cool. Look at that. Look at us. We're Zelda brothers. We sure are, man. I love Zelda. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, man, I love you. Man, I love Zelda. She's my favorite. <laughs> Let me tell you something, bro. I just, man, I really love video games from the late 80s. I'm going to do that to, like, Stacy soon. Like, I'm going to wait till we're sitting at, like, a beautiful sunset. And it's, like, our it's like our anniversary. And we just had, like, a beautiful picnic. And I'm just going to, like, wait for this, Stacey, like, a lull. I love this cool fall air no no i'm gonna be like stacy i just love zelda so much i was just (laughs) thinking about it right now (laughs) by the way you this is so funny you need to go into your settings real quick and uh 
change your voice in video so it doesn't cut out sound because your laughter is just awkward dead silence. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Which is even funnier because like I'm laughing and I look over and uh everyone you I can see Trevor's head bobbing up and down with laughter. And I'm like, oh, they just cut out his laughter on Discord. Oh no, that's so awkward. Yeah. Is it uh hang on, let me find it. Um Oh no, where is it? It's scroll it down is. voice and video and it's it should be noise suppression. And it'll say crisp with a K oh. or standard or none. I'll I just put it on none. Hope that doesn't cancel out my laugh. Because my dish is running so i don't want to do none your your what's running my dishwasher but i can't hear your dishwasher i stopped if you can hear trevor's dishwasher text us <laughs> uh, <laughs> i'm by the way i'm sure that if cozy's listening he will text us to be like yeah i can hear your dishwasher nerds <laughs> i was wondering what that white noise was in the background and it was trevor's dishwasher oh my god so anyway that's link's awakening at least for now um yeah man just a great again like this is one of the games people still argue is like the best zelda and that's me i it's me i argue it's the best zelda i thought your argument for best zelda was link between worlds <sighs> which i'm still trying to get a copy of by the way <sighs> i I think Link Between Worlds is objectively the best 2D Zelda. I think it would be hard to argue anything but that's objectively the best. But for me, Link's Awakening is far and away my favorite. I think because of how unique it is and all the weird, like, unique things about it that, like, just fill me with joy that other games don't fill me with. Just wait. Take that, other Zelda games. Yeah. Take that, Oracle of Seasons and Oracle of Time. Looking at you, Ocarina of Time. Oh, don't get me started on that game. Majora's people, Mask. People you will cancel weirdo. our podcast if I start talking about Ocarina of Time. I know how you feel about those ones. That's why I said that. You know, I we can't talk about those games in depth. That's Link's Awakening. Take that, Twilight Princess. Yeah, I've come around on that game, too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> t t you just keep mentioning Zelda games. I'm like, you know what? I, I you know what? That, that one's game. on the red. Yeah. All right, Take Trevor. That Tears of the Kingdom. Just kidding. We love you already. Oh, dude. I the like It gets closer and closer every day. I forgot how close it was until today. I saw an ad for it and I was like, yo, that's like unreasonably close. It's like two months away. Yeah, dude. So I, uh, this will be like a, a somewhat side derailment, but I think, I think you'll like this. So on Mario day, which is famously when our podcast was released and we didn't talk about Mario member. Iconic. Iconic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I uh so I did a lesson on uh on, like yeah on Mario music and Koji Kondo but like the video that I found talks about light motifs are you familiar with with what light motifs are No So light motif you see them in musicals operas movies whatever and the idea is that a musical theme or a melody is tied to a to a like an idea or a character Okay. Um, like really simply like do 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 is like 
Oh, that's underground in Mario, right? Oh, uh, okay. So the idea behind a light motif is that they can play a melody and evoke the idea of it. Oh, the other one that they used in the video was da 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 da, da which is Indiana Jones. Right. Um, so that's what a light motif is. But for me to drive it home, I would ask the classes. I would go to the piano. I'd be like, "All right, raise your hand if you know this light motif." And I would go, and so by the way, like a lot of the kids had no, like didn't had never heard that, but there were a select few. There was actually only one kid that was like, "That's from Zelda. It's when you complete a puzzle." And I was like, "You are my hero." And that's amazing. Um, but then I'm like, then I go on to talk about like, well, yeah, Koji Kondo right now is obviously working on the music for Tears of the Kingdom as we speak. And all the kids are like, oh, I have that on pre-order. And I'm like, me too. Okay, we can't do this for an hour, but I'm so excited. Like, yeah, me too. <laughs> so so I'm at, in that same vein, I, I too have an anecdote related to Tears of the Kingdom. All right. So, um. I, I recently moved in with Jen and uh, her her buddy was over the other day and we're all talking video games and stuff. And uh, I I took Jen's hand in mine and I got down on one knee and I went, Jen, can we pre-order the special edition of Tears of the Kingdom? And she looked me dead in my eyes and said, yeah, of course we're doing that. Yes. I thought there was going to be more, but you were just like, yes. No, it's like, oh, right in my heart, you know? She's well, a keeper. Did you did you get the special edition? Not yet. Because I've pre-ordered it. I did not get the special edition because, I don't know, I guess do what you want. But for like $30 more, you get like a poster and like a tin thing. And it was like, that's a lot more money for stuff I don't really care about. Yeah, but I I like steel books, and I actually have a small collection of steel books, and I would like to get more. So for like for me, someone who likes that kind of stuff, like I'm I'm in. Yeah, here's my other thing: if you pre-order the regular version, they send you like a it's like a wooden it's like a little tiny wooden plaque that comes with the game. That's just like regular pre-order. So I'm like, okay, because because awesome. I'm like with you, I was like, I kind of want to get the special edition because I love. I love this game so much. Like I'm so excited to to play it or I love Breath of the Wild rather, but I was like I just don't care as much for it's like 50 extra dollars or something for stuff I don't personally care about myself. Yeah, you know what I did think about doing? So I was scrolling I so I window shop online when I get bored sometimes or can't mm -hmm. sleep. Um so I was looking at Amazon and for like 82 bucks I can get the whole special edition for breath of the wild. And I thought about getting it at some point. Yeah. I, I mean, it's something I would consider getting to be honest with you, because I it's, it's a game I love so much. And I, I don't even think I have the physical copy. Oh, you know what? I I think I have the physical copy on Wii U. Isn't that weird? <laughs> I have like the disc of it on Wii U. <laughs> Andy's Wii U. If you're listening, text us. <laughs> It like turns on right now and connects to Wi-Fi. I get a text from my Wii U. I'm like, oh my god! I didn't even know I was connected to my Wii U and it was listening to me at all times. Oh, always watching. 
Oh my god. Yeah, um that's Zelda, everybody. <laughs> that's Zelda, everybody. Stay tuned for more as I hopefully complete Link's Awakening. Yeah. Um all right, Trevor. So we're gonna talk about my games now. Oh, before we do that, can I give a small Breath of the Wild update? Yes. I found that weird forest that uh that's shrouded in darkness. Oh no. Yeah, it really freaked me out. Like it was kind of spooky to do. It's yeah, it's cool. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just a great if you don't know what we're talking about, everybody, it literally is like you see it from the distance and it's just like a big black orb, right? Um, no, it's it's scarier than that. It's like a big gray cloud, like if you've ever seen fog in the distance where it's shrouding one particular area, that's what it looks like. Yeah. And then when you go in, it's completely pitch black um, and you have to like carry a torch around to get through it. Right. Yeah. And it has torches that you can light to light your way through. And yeah. there's a shrine hidden in there and a Hinox, which I managed to not wake up at all. I think, by the way, that was the first time I saw Hinox when I played Breath of the Wild was in that moment, which what was a like, horrible time to see that for the first time. Yeah, it's way more horrifying in that context. Um, oh my gosh, that's cool, though. Please keep sharing your your holy crap moments, because that's definitely one of those unique things that's just like there. Yeah. Oh, and as another small update, I can consistently beat Guardians now. Oh, nice. What, see, the trick is for me. First of all, you can use stasis to pause them for a second, which helps mm. amazingly. But yeah. once you chop one of their legs off, they're done. Yeah. The other thing that's very useful is to just make sure that you have at least one Daruk's protection. Yep. Yep. That too. Because it's great. Dude. Oh, awesome. I'm, I'm always down for more Breath of the Wild. But I'll, yeah, I'll keep updating you as I find crazy things. I'm always down for Breath of the Wild yeah nice oh and one more i uh i i don't know if i told you this i ended up getting the dlc oh i think you did tell me yeah they are hard they are very hard they yes i uh i never i never got any of them um so i'm sure there are some that are are cool but yeah i know some of them are just straight up like challenge modes and i was like yeah i don't need that kind of stress in my life I spent two nights in a row because, you know, I like my cosmetics. I spent two nights in a row just hunting down all the DLC cosmetics. Oh, yeah, because they have like a Majora's Mask and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah, you can get uh, what's what's that weird elf who thinks he's a fairy tink, tingle tinkle. Oh, yeah. They have his whole outfit. That's um, dope. Yeah, they have like a Ganon. I think they have two of ganon's armors or whatever wow yeah see look at you over here complaining about how there's no cosmetics in the game there's tons of cosmetics you just have to pay for them <laughs> yeah who Which, doesn't love cosmetics behind a paywall well i mean like if if you're gonna put anything behind a paywall it may as well be cosmetics if you ask me yeah that feels like f fair i guess maybe i don't know yeah just not not all of them like i'm okay with a couple being behind a paywall but for the most part i would like them to just be accessible through playing the game yeah so that's zelda everybody that's that's both of my zelda games 
that I'm gonna say it this time for real, and I think this time it's for real. That that's Zelda. Wait, Andy. <laughs> Wait, real quick. I found a Korok, and it was like he was like whoa, and I went up, and he was like oh, and he went yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Trevor. Um, God, I don't even know. I wanted to do an update on Octopath Traveler too, but I don't know what updates I have besides I just I just love it so much more. And that's Octopath Traveler too. <laughs> uh, I think it is. I don't know, man. I, I, I'm, I'm willing to like die on the hill of like Octopath Traveler Two is the best JRPG franchise of all time for me. And like again, I, I just love it so much. I honestly, I want to play it if only for the art style. The thing here's the thing that like I think I maybe have more to say about that I didn't touch on last time is like a this game is like a real open world adventure in a big way, um, which I think is remarkable because a lot of JRPGs are not open world in any way. They're usually like you have some wiggle room, but like you have to go here to complete the next objective. And this game is just a huge, giant world with tons of like. You, you're t- sort of in a Zelda way. You'll be in like some really early areas and the game, the le- areas are all labeled with like uh danger level 11, right? So that means like you want your characters to be like around level 11 or you're going to get rocked, right? Mm-hmm. And I think every early game area has like one or two like secret caves or secret areas you can stumble into that are like danger level 48. And you're like, oh my God, I can't. I'm going to turn around now. Yeah, I can't be here. And so the game is is filled with all of these like extra places just to find. And they're not all 48. Like some of them are like danger level 18, danger level 25 or whatever. So like as you're going, you're just always incentivized to be exploring the world in a way that just feels really exciting. There's like extra bosses and extra weapons to find. That's cool. Yeah. Um Yeah, it, it's really it's really just it's just awesome. And I, I didn't even I realized after the last conversation that I didn't even talk about the class system at all, which is what makes this game so like uh just like unique and another step above. Okay. So tell me more. So the game has eight classes, uh scholar, cleric, merchant, thief, uh warrior, beast master uh and uh the other one is apothecary right uh, yeah apothecary and dancer um and all of those classes so like obviously there's eight characters each character has one of those eight classes Mm -hmm. um and as you go you will unlock the ability to assign secondary classes so like Ochet will always be a beast master and she'll always be the only character that can capture beasts in a Pokemon style way. But eventually you can make her like a thief, which changes her entire stat buildup. And it also changes the type of weapons that you can equip to Ochet. So at every moment, there's like a ton of like customization of like, all right, cool. I want this. I want Ochet to be a thief so she can be faster. And I want this guy to be a scholar so that he can use all this crazy magic. And like at every moment, you're kind of just like toying with what gives you the best build for each situation. And it just adds a layer of fun everywhere you go for me. That's cool. I like that. 
Yeah, and it, I almost like treat it like Pokemon because so there's eight characters and like I always just put the weakest characters in my party so I can keep them all hovering around the same level. Right. Um but like so as a result, I always have like a different makeup of characters and so I'm like, okay, I have these four characters who have never been together. I want this one to be the cleric so they can heal because this one gets like an extra move when they do this. And like I'm just constantly tweaking and making it slightly different, which makes the experience feel really um fresh and and fun. That's really cool. I I like that you can like have like a subclass basically. Yeah, and I don't know if I've found them in this game, but in the first game, I think my favorite thing in like maybe all the video games was in the first game, you could find optional bosses that were like godlike difficulty, like insanely hard. And when you beat them, they gave you a bonus class that was way stronger than any of the main classes. Oh, shoot. That's so, really like, cool. Yeah, and I think there's four of those special classes to unlock. So, like, one's, like, a crazy magic user that can use all of these insane magic abilities. One of them was, like, Warlord, which was, like, an insanely powerful. So, like, there, it's it's weird because I feel like when it comes to turn-based JRPGs, like, there aren't really open... There are some open-world games, but that's not, like, part of the experience. There's not, like, a ton of those, you know what I mean? Right. So... In that regard, it just nails it. I'm like at this point, 60 hours. <laughs> I think I've completed three of the characters' like final chapters of their story, which means I have five more to do, and then I think there might be more stuff to do once I complete all of their. So I'm still like I'm in the final stretch, but there's still a good amount left to do, and I'm loving every minute of it. Still, nice. It's amazing. I need to download the demo for that. I, yeah, I'd love to have a conversation about the demo at some point, just like the first few hours, like because I, I just I just adore this game, man. I will die on this hill. Well, it sounds like a lot of people liked the first one, at least. Well, the the first one. No, like, that's the thing is like people people liked the first one. Everyone agreed that the art style was brilliant, which you've seen, like everyone agreed that the presentation and the music the art is over the top phenomenal but people didn't love the approach to storytelling where it was like eight separate stories um and some people like found it to be kind of repetitive because i mean like at a certain point you you're like playing a jrpg right like you have to find new towns and then when you get there there's like story missions to do and so like some people didn't love the gameplay loop in it. So it was kind of a mixed bag for people. Yeah, I I mean without having played it, I think that's a really cool way to do storytelling is to have these little like short story one-offs. Yeah. And you know, I do too because the stories are all pretty brief. Like with the with the exception of like the final chapter which is maybe going to take you like 45 minutes. For the most part, like, the chapter one, two, and three of each character, they're, like, 20 minutes. Like, you have, like, a one-minute cutscene, a couple short little cutscenes throughout, and then the game is kind of leading you to, like, okay, you have to go up this path and then defeat the boss, and then it, it's sort of like a little mini arc. And, like, I love it because it's quick, it's to the point, it's simple, and it's just really, like, well-written. Um, mm -hmm. But I think when it comes to like the old school final fantasy dragon quest people 
they're like, I want the party members to like interact and argue and have this banter and stuff. And like, I don't think one is better than the other. I just think the way they do the stories in Octopath are just really well done. Yeah. And I think there's something to be said for like, quote unquote, like what makes good storytelling, because as long as something is well written and well presented, which it sounds like this is, yeah, that's good storytelling. You know, like if people are like, oh, well, I don't like the way they do their storytelling. It's not good storytelling. Like it's not that it's not good storytelling. It's that that's not your preference for how your stories are told. Yeah. And I, you know, like I personally think with the presentation and the cutscenes and the voice acting and everything, I think everything is really, really well done. Um, I've, I've found that like, I think I'm more interested in characters that feel grounded. Like a lot of the characters in Octopath Traveler, like they're not very often the hook of the story is not like some fantasy nonsense. The hook of the story sometimes is like, this person is acting this way because they, I'm just like making up something. This isn't a real example, but like this person doesn't like Ochet because their brother died um, while an apothecary was trying to take care of them. And now they don't trust apothecaries. And so like the little mini arc is like you helping this person. And now they're like, Oh, I've come around. Like they're, the usually the characters are dealing with like loss or dealing with like um their their ideal version of the world like they're not does that does this make sense what i'm saying yeah like like they these people interact kind yeah, of yeah but like they're like they're like a shopkeeper or they're like a hunter or they're like a mother like they're not usually revolved around like fantasy stuff like they're very relatable um conflicts that the people talk about right it's not like oh like like in legend of zelda not that there's anything wrong with the way they do it but it's like oh this is the champion of of hyrule right right yeah like i think here i think i can give you an example um like um one of one of the greatest characters um is Crick. So Temenos uh, is a quick refresher. He's like the, he's the inquisitor of the church, but he's skeptical of the church and he's trying to investigate. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so early in his chapter, you meet a recurring character named Crick who he's part of the sacred guard, which is like um, a band of warriors that work for the church. And so Crick is like really like wet behind the ears. He's kind of like a young kid and he's like, I'm here to protect you inquisitor or whatever. And Temenos is constantly like, don't listen to everything you hear. You wayward lamb. Like sometimes people act in bad faith. And Crick is like, he's always like, what you're the inquisitor and you're telling me not to trust the church. Like what, what, who are you? Like, and the banter of those characters is like relatable to me because one of them is like saying you, you shouldn't always listen to people in power. And the other one's like, but I'm a young kid and I'm just trying to like do right by the people I work for. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I think it's really good character writing and it's really relatable. Um, And like you meet Crick in following chapters throughout Temenos's story. So like, all right, maybe you're not having banter with the party members, but like you are meeting good characters throughout. So I think it's great. Love it. Yeah, it sounds really cool. I really want to try it. I need to get and, the the demo for one or both of those games. 
Yeah. And how cool is it that like at any moment you can go to a variety of stories that you're interested in doing in whatever order you want? Like you, you're also getting eight stories for the price of one. It's not like I'm playing this game and there's one story. Like I kind of like that there's a variety of viewpoints and perspectives that you like each character has like their own growth arc and stuff. It's just fun. It's good. Yeah. I think that's super cool the way they do that. It's it's great. It's well done. Octopath Traveler 2. We love it over here on the on the baby's gods. We're baby got Octopath. Baby got Octopath. Okay, that's not even the game I'm here to talk about. Oh my god. She, she, don't oh my god me. I'm starting my segment. In the middle of Near my Rontomata with near Andy. The <laughs> With near Andy. The good news is, I don't know how long this segment is going to be. It's probably going to be brief. <laughs> okay. um, Trevor, what do you know about near Automata? I know that it blew your mind the first time you played it and that you were, I think you were getting into the near franchise. Is that correct? Yeah. But like as a game, you don't know anything like what it plays like or what it's about or anything? Nope. Okay. So Trevor, I'm going to tell you, this was my life with Nier Automata. They released a version of it on Switch, I think last October. Um, and I didn't know anything about it. I don't know, like suddenly it was coming out on Switch, so people were talking about it. And I was like, I don't know anything about this game. Um, and even if you look up reviews and stuff, you really won't also know much about this game because like I'm about to do to you, no one really wants to talk about what this game is because you should go in a million percent spoiler-free and just experience it. Okay. Um, But I decided to just try it because it seemed like from a gameplay perspective it was going to be fun and I would really like it. And um, I think it changed my life forever, like a religious experience. Huh, okay. Um. And and what can you say why like is it just because of the way it's presented or i think i can get into kind of kind of why later but to to answer your question briefly like no i can't really get into actually why because okay cuz for you and for anyone listening like no like don't don't look up spoiler versions of what happens in this game in any respect like just play it okay uh, and that's near Automata. No. <laughs> and that's Zelda. <laughs> so um Near Automata, the reason I wanted to bring it to the show is because A, it really was so like such a profound experience for me that like I feel it serviceable to talk about. But B, I also think you'd really love it, to be honest with you. Okay. Um, for a variety of reasons. So here's the premise of Near Automata. You play as 2B, um, who is a robot android lady, um, accompanied by another robot android guy named 9S. And you work for the, you are the part of the Yorha Forces, which is a group of androids that you find out, um, I think like 200 years ago, um, humans were attacked by aliens and nearly wiped out, um, basically extinct. The remaining, the humans that did survive fled to the moon and um, they created this uh, army of android robots that look like human, like they look just like humans, to 
infiltrate Earth and fight off um not the aliens, but they they sent like an army of robots to Earth. So humans have been forced off of Earth, and you are one of the android like foot soldiers in this war who's trying to take Earth back. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, so like basically the game starts with you um on like a recon mission where like the opening of this game is really, really just great. It's just like 40 minutes of pure fun and like bombastic awesomeness um, of like fighting robots and it ends in a big boss battle and all this cool stuff. But um, your your job is to go down, fight all of the robots um, and eventually take back um, planet Earth. Um, the, wow, that the, sounds like a not you game at all. Dude, it's awesome um so trust me it's it's such a me game you just like you don't know unless you've played it um so there's a couple things that make this game like really really cool and awesome so it's it's sort of just like a hack and slash like rpg like i don't want to say like exactly god of war but think think kind of like god of war but with like more jumping and slashing like you're you're fighting robots everywhere you go um the combat is like pristine, dude. Like it's some of the best combat in any game I've just ever played. Huh. Okay. Um there's a lot of hacking and slashing, but there's also a lot of you have like a robot that floats over your shoulder that like shoots projectiles. So that's like cool. you have it's it's just like a really weird, interesting take on combat that's always fun. But the the sort of one of the main hooks of this game is that uh a lot of sequences of this game are constantly like shifting the camera angle and the perspective and shifting what you're doing. That is you're playing like 10 games at one time. Um, so like, it'll be like back to back. You're like fighting a bunch of robots in 3d. And the next thing, you know, you jump on a rail and you're like a 2d side scroller for like a huge part of it. And the next thing, you know, it's like an overhead, like a metal gear solid or like a Zelda type thing. And it's that's like, why you like this game. Yeah. And then next thing you know, it turns into like a bullet hell section where like you're getting bullets shot at you from every angle. Right. Um, and so like that, that's one of the like the hooks of this game that makes it really interesting to play because it's like the, it's just all of these cool cinematic things happen back to back that like change up the gameplay. Huh. OK. Yeah. I'm um, I'm on board. Oh, it's it's very cool. That that's not even really. I mean, it is kind of why I like it. Like, let me be clear. For me, like the number one is: does the game feel great, and is it really fun? And I just love every minute of the combat in this game. It's always fun and satisfying. You know. Yeah. Um. So that's kind of like hook. That's kind of like the first hook that makes it pretty cool. Um. The other hook that really makes it really awesome and like one of the things that's so memorable about it is i mean it's at its core it's like a sci-fi because you're like androids and you're investigating a world with robots but the world is just so endearing and strange um like you find you pretty early like uh you play as 2B and she is like kind of like a cold like emotionless robot like she's like we're just here to follow orders and dispatch the robots um and 9s is like the really like touchy feely one who he's like oh 9s it's really good to have a 
a companion out here on the battlefield and she's like companions are just to help you like fill out your orders and destroy robots like it <laughs> they have oh like gosh. there's like a weird sort of uh there's like a weird like back and forth um that like you have with all of the characters of like they're really kind of dry and written kind of humorously um but everything is super endearing and like weird about the world you know yeah that sounds really cool i'm i'm on board with this yeah it's is great this the Switch exclusive no it, it's no it came out for ps4 like three years ago oh okay it it actually was one of those games that people for years were like we really need to get a near automata port for switch and everyone responded back with i don't even know if that's possible that you could make it for switch because it's like um because of the technical limitations so when they did it everyone was like this is a freaking miracle huh okay cool yeah but it's just the world there's so much interesting and weird about the narrative in the world but like i think the reason that it has stuck with me and that i love it is that this game has a perspective on like life and death and the universe and the meaning of life that's deep yeah and it's really it's really interested in like making you think about like philosophy and like what is important to you as a human being on earth um and it's really interested in like how to do that with video games um like on one hand this game loves video games because like i said you're like playing metal gear solid and then you're playing like a bullet hell and then you're playing like a uh like a um like Galaga, basically, like as a flying, like it, it loves so wild. It's so wild. Like clearly, you can tell the developers of this game love video games and like want to do service to video games. I love um, that. Yeah, and on the same hand, it is also like openly criticizing video games at some points. <laughs> like huh. there are quests in this game that are like purposefully. Uh, like tedious and annoying and the characters call out that what you're doing is tedious and annoying like it's almost it's like being critical of of quests in other video games <laughs> so i'm hearing that this game is like a commentary on the video game industry for for better or for worse for better not for worse well i mean when i say for better or for worse the good and the bad Yes, exactly. Like, it's interested in in exploring, because, like, let's face it, when it comes to telling stories, video games are uniquely positioned to tell stories in a different way, because you have agency as the player, you know what I mean? Right. Like, it's not like watching a movie, it's interactive, and so they can make you experience things in a different way, and this game is interested in exploring, like, how can we do that? in an interesting way. But yes, also it is at the same time critical of video games in a way that sometimes feels like comical. <laughs> That's very interesting to me. It's, I mean, like of all the, uh, it's hard because we bring so many games to this show that we like love so much, but like, it's like a game that like, I'll just wake up in the morning sometimes and just like, think about like, what happened in Nier Automata and like how it made me feel and like the ramifications of it. And I'll be like, I want to play Nier Automata again. Like it, 
it it really is a game that like if if you love and like obviously not everyone loves it but like if you love it and see it to the end it's like this game will probably change your life and stick with you forever and like deeply affect you yeah i know that that's what you said about it so i'm dang i want to try this game now i uh i think you're you're deep in a zelda world right now true um but i think next time you feel like let me try out something new that like is totally different. I think I would highly recommend it to you. Um, there's also a variety of difficulty modes, which is really great um, because again, like a really great, the, the story is so much of this game, like the story and the narrative and the world and what they want you to experience is really what makes it amazing. Um, so like play it on whatever difficulty you want. I play it on normal and I think the challenge is just just right um but yeah okay. i would i would highly recommend it to you and to anyone to be honest sweet it's um yeah and i'd love to it's like we bring so many games <laughs> to the show that's like i'd love to bring this back and like talk about it in depth but like i would love to talk to you for three hours about what happens in near automata and like get it that would make me so happy Someday. We should do at the end of this year, we should do like a review and like replay some of these games that really stuck with us as individuals and the other like play them a little bit. Yeah. You uh you mean like the games that I really loved you play and vice versa? Yeah, like I know you really love Octopath Travelers one and two, so like maybe I play one or both of the demos or like I play several hours of near automata or like maybe we pick a couple of our favorites and we play a little bit of one of those yeah we'll we'll definitely have to do something i'm kind of like in a bind right now because i'm uh, i'm so busy like i said to you uh with this upcoming like next couple of weeks and the thing is uh I'm, i'm trying to finish octopath traveler 2 which has been hours and hours of my life I played a little of Nier Automata again so I could like refresh on what about it, like to talk about it. But I also got Spider-Man like two weeks ago. That's like the thing I really want to get to. But the thing is, now that I'm looking at it, this week, I don't know what I'm going to do because this week I'm really busy because I have gigs this weekend. And then the following week I'll be out of town. So it's not like I'll have my PS4 with me like I would like normal. Right. So. Yeah, you know, I got to tell you, I'm kind of in a bind, too, because my new six-year-old roommate um, only wants to have Pokemon battles lately. So and I'll forever. get, yeah, I'll get like an hour or so into Zelda, and she's like, hey, can we play, can we have a Pokemon battle? And I can't say no. Right. So I'm like, yeah, let's, let's take a, let's take a Pokemon break. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like that. The thing is, like, Spider-Man is the next thing on my docket that I really want to get into and play. I just want to be able to give it, like, its full due when I do it, you know? Yes, I want that for you, too. So, and, uh, yeah, that's going to be a good question. Uh, Honestly, probably next week I will do what I did this week, which is, like, what's something I played in recent memory that I can bring back to the show, um, like, near Automata? and hash out because it's a busy time right now for me yeah i feel that um 
I got my hands full, like, you know, just doing doing things and stuff. What have you possibly could have going on? <laughs> Did I mention I have a new six-year-old roommate? Did I mention I just moved across the country? <clears throat> Again? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's cool, though. I mailed my New York plates back to New York. Um, <laughs> Colorado plates. Take that. <laughs> Take that, uh, so, New York State DMV. Yeah, but but to quell your fears, um, I I do have Spider-Man, and it is the next thing I'm going to do. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm, I just don't know when that's going to be. Let me know when you start playing it, because I will probably... I think I started a new playthrough like a year or so ago. So I might finish that. Mm, that'd be cool. Because that is like, and I'll probably say it in that episode, that is one of only a, several games that I have ever 100%ed. You did? Really? Multiple times. Wow. I've done, I think, four, maybe five 100% finishes of that game, DLC and all. Wow. I'm uh, I'm excited to... <clears throat> to explore so much why you liked it, but also get back to my my roots of very young Andy playing Spider-Man games on my PlayStation One. Heck um, yeah, yeah. It's um, I'm I'm like we've talked about this before, but I'm very much the polar opposite of you, where I don't really want to be playing more than one game at a time unless it's like I'm playing something like, oh, I'm playing this on my Game Boy and I've already played it a million times. Like when I play a new game, I want to like play the new game, you know? Yeah. And I mean, that's that's how it was with Spider-Man for a while. I think I finished that game and then I think I started a new one because when you I think either it was either New Game Plus came out as I beat it or you unlock new game plus by beating it. I think it was that one. Um, So I immediately started new new game Game plus Plus. is Trevor. Are you not familiar with what new game plus is? Well, no, I am, but some games like God of war new game plus came like months later, I think. Oh, well, you still had to beat it though to get it. Well, yeah, but I mean, I don't remember which of those scenarios it was like, I don't remember if it came out before I beat it or if I beat it first, it doesn't matter. Uh, I finished it and I immediately started New Game Plus. You do New Game Plus as a as a person. I mean, it depends on the game. You know, this might be like a weird gaming take, but like, I just don't like New Game Plus as a concept. Is it because, like, you just don't like the idea of starting with all this stuff? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I don't, because like, I like the challenge of the game, and I like getting better as you progress. And so starting it with everything being super easy, it's like, why? Well, if there's no challenge, why would I play it, you know? Yeah, I mean, in some games, like in, in Spider-Man, for example, when you do New Game Plus, you can do some of the earlier challenges with some of the upgrades that you wouldn't have gotten until later in the game. So it kind of changes your tactic of how you might do a certain challenge or something. Interesting. Yeah. But the fun is getting the new ability. I don't get the enjoyment of getting the new ability anymore. I don't I don't know. I enjoy it. I'm I'm cool with new game plus. Everyone is but me. I know I'm in the minority. It's fine. Yeah. 
Andy's a weirdo. How many, Put it in the Discord. How many horrible hot takes do I have? This is why we drive people away from our show, because I'm like, let me just say a horrible hot take that no one will agree with real quick. Yeah, that's why our listenership is like Cozy, Tommy, and I'm sure like one other person. Everybody welcome to Hot Takes Gaming. <laughs> Where we say things we hate about popular games and no one listens. Hey, you know my favorite thing about video games is when uh when uh you can um your character can smoke a cigarette as a cosmetic. Why don't we bring that back from the nineties? <laughs> Hot takes gaming. <laughs> Remember when you could smoke in an airplane? I do. That was my favorite thing about video games. It's like Andy, hot you're takes not talking, gaming. Andy, you're not talking about video games anymore. Yeah, I know. <laughs> remember cassette tapes? Those were my favorite. We should. Do you remember eight tapes. tracks? <laughs> oh God, we have <coughs> we have to sign off before we lose our minds more. Probably. We recorded too late. That's the problem. I'm sorry. Sundays for picking stones. Yeah, not for recording podcasts. Apparently, not not for recording podcasts late. Um, thanks everybody for listening. My name's Andy. If you like the show, share it with somebody who you think would also like the show. Yeah, I'm Trevor. Do that, and also follow me at Trevor in the Hall on all of the things. Yeah, and um, yeah, we we appreciate you. Uh, especially if you're listening, and even more if you have texted us. Um, we appreciate you, and we thank you. Especially you, Jesus, because I know you're out there, and we haven't heard oh, from you. Oh, Jesus, we used to laugh. We used to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, boy. Um, oh, boy. And that's Zelda. <laughs> <laughs>